turn with me in your Bibles or your apps to Luke chapter 11. There is a lot in this chapter. We're going to do our best to get through it. Got a couple questions for you. Number one, is there a right way to pray? Have you thought about that? Jesus also gives us the key to be blessed. If Jesus says it, uh, probably good to uh, see what he says. This is the key to be blessed. Also, what we're going to get in this chapter is what must be done when somebody's set free from a demon. And if you don't do this, that person's going to be in, in worse case, worse shape than when you first found them. It's really important. As we're moving into times of, of seeing people free from demonic oppression, uh, there's something that Jesus tells us we have to do. Um, also, I want to let you know is what happens when you try to hold people to standards you can't keep yourself. Jesus addresses that one. Have you ever done that? Try to hold somebody to a standard that you can't keep yourself? I've been there. Um, and so here we go. We're going to jump right into this. So in Luke chapter 11, it starts with the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus says, you know, the disciples are like, Lord, teach us how to pray. The interesting thing, if they're saying, asking Jesus that question, they understand that Jesus had some sort of power when he prayed. He had something that changed the environment when he prayed. And so his disciples teach us to pray. And this is what he says. Well, when you pray, say this. Now, this is like, this is Luke's version of it. There's another time that gives you a little bit more of the, of the structure of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us or trespass. Leads not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. But here it says, Father, hallowed be your name or holy is your name. Your kingdom come. And we talk about this often. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus knew that he was always praying the will of the Father, but he was always expecting the things of heaven to come here to earth. That's why he was healing. That's why he was um, bringing salvation to people. That's why he was delivering people is because he's saying, as the world has corrupted or um, tarnished people, as the world has divided and restoration needed to take place and wholeness needed to take place. And that was always Jesus' ministry. And by the way, that's yours and I's ministry. Ministry of reconciliation, one to another and to God. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread. I love that prayer because he's not saying, you know, give us uh, what we need. He's saying, give us what we need, not give us what our greed is, right? Not our greed, our need. And we could always go and like, I want the Lambo. And he's saying, okay, he's not saying, give us our sports cars. He's saying, give us our daily bread. Give us our need, right? Now, God can bless you. There's nothing wrong with those things, by the way. Um, but he's saying, when you pray, pray for the basic needs and forgive us our sins. And again, he wants us to be reflective. It's interesting that Jesus even prayed this. Forgive us our sins. Even though Jesus was sinless, he knew that we needed to be reminded of our shortcomings, and then we need to forgive those who have sinned against us. And that's forgiveness. That, by the way, forgiveness actually sets us free. It doesn't necessarily set the other person free. Um, if you go to Celebrate Recovery, you'd kind of know that principle, right? Well, here we go. And lead us not into temptation. So here he's pointing out, he's saying your own sinfulness. But then you're, he's saying there is a devil, there is Satan that will tempt you. And he's saying let's 
not be in a place of temptation. He goes on to say this, and, and this is, has to do with prayer as well. And so this is an important story that Jesus loves telling us these parables. So he says, which one of you, this is verse 6, has a friend and will go with him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Yet because of his impudence or his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you know this verse, seek and you will find. For anyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you if a son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, he will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, thank you, Jesus, for calling us evil. <laughs> um, basically, he's saying, though, if you're worldly, good fathers will do this. They won't give their sons uh, a scorpion if they ask for an egg or uh, a serpent if he asks for a fish. He says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, so he's talking about prayer again. He's going on and saying, so there's a guy, back in the day, everybody lived in like in this one-room house. And if you've been any, into any developing countries, that's still common today. The whole family would sleep in one bed. And so he's saying, he's come to the house at midnight and a culture of of honor and a culture of hospitality. A guest comes into your house, you need to have something to feed him. This guy didn't have any food. He's going to his neighbor's house. He says, can you lend me three loaves of bread? The guy says, I'm already in bed. I'm your friend, yes, but I'm in bed with my kids. I'm going to wake everybody up. I can't do it. But the persistence, and there's something about persistent prayer that God responds to. Jesus gives this parable. Jesus gives this story. He says, it's not because he's a friend, it's because of his persistence. Now, I'm a little confused by that, because we're called friends of Jesus, right? He calls us friends. And here in this, he says, I'm not responding because I'm your friend, I'm responding because of your persistence. What is that? I think it goes back to when we say, our Father who art in heaven. And then I think it ends that little section when he says, when you know you have a good father who will give you good gifts, just think about your own, uh, maybe you don't have kids, but maybe when you were a kid, when you just kind of casually say, hey, mom, dad, I, I would like a, an ice cream. Or, or when you kids say, if they ask once, and it's like, oh, you know what? I'm off the hook. I don't have to get them some ice cream. <laughs> but if they're like, mom, dad. Here's the ice cream store. We're going to pass by. Mom, Dad, ice cream. Are we going to have ice cream? Uh, really? Yes, yes, yes. We love you, Dad. We love you, Dad, so much. And he said, okay, all right, all right. We'll stop and get some ice cream. There's something that, that tugs on the heart of God. Not irritation, but there's something about persistence that tugs on the heart of God. I want to give you some hope and encouragement that, that the simple one-time prayer, God can hear you, but there's something about persistence. Some of you have been praying for a long time for, for something that hasn't come about yet, but keep praying. Keep praying. Be persistent. It moves God's heart. 
But here's the other thing about this. He says, it has to do with what we're asking for, though, too. He goes, like, what father will give a scorpion if he's asked for a fish or uh, another uh, awful thing if you're asking for this thing? And he's saying, the father is so gracious to you that when you ask, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. I, I think that's key. Because I think sometimes we get so preoccupied in thinking what we know, what we should have, and really we need the Spirit of God to tell us what we need. I don't know about you, but, but one of the benefits I find of having a spiritual language called tongues, <laughs> having your own spiritual language with God, the Bible says that when we pray in in our heavenly language, our tongues, that is like the perfect prayer. The Holy Spirit prays through us, and we're praying exactly what we know that we need. The Holy Spirit's praying through us, interceding with us and for us. And I think that is when we, we start this worship time together, we, we are being reminded by God to say that we need to be filled by the Holy Spirit and keep being filled by the Holy Spirit and ask for the Holy Spirit. And he's gracious every single time to give you his Holy Spirit. Because why? Because we need that power. We need that discernment. We need that encouragement that the Spirit of God will give us when we don't know what to pray, when we don't know what to ask for, or if we're asking for the wrong thing, he will redirect us and say, hey, hey, yes, be persistent, but be persistent in the right direction. Okay, so here we go. Then Jesus casts out a, a demon. And, and the religious guys are starting to question Jesus of who he really is. At this point in time, they don't believe he's the son of God. Um, and they're saying, hey, you're casting out the demons by Beelzebul. Beelzebul was be basically Satan or the head of, of the demonic. He says... See, you can only do this because you're demonic yourself and you're casting out demons. And she is like, your, your, your thinking on this is so wrong. And it seems like common sense, right? He goes on to say, a house divided cannot stand. Right? He goes, obviously, and if I cast out demons, this is verse 19, by Beezable, by whom do your sons cast out? So basically saying, there are other people who can cast out demons amongst you, religious people. So are you also saying that they're, they're demonic casting out the demons? Jesus always puts it right back on him. Uh, he is like, wow, you are so good, Jesus. He goes on this, but in verse 20. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own uh, palace, his goods are safe. But when uh, one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor, which he trusted and divided his spoils. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Jesus is not mincing words right here. And I want to say for you and I, we need to neither be... We, we can't be lukewarm. We better be either hot or cold. Now I'm telling you, be hot. Don't be cold. And this church is hot on fire for God. But the lukewarmness, he's basically saying, this is what happens when you're lukewarm. You, you kind of play both sides of the fence. And what happens is we sometimes for him and sometimes we're not for him, but we're not for him. We're against him. It's a time that we cannot be um, in this lukewarm place. Now, 
There'll be some out there that, that will never accept Christ and they're going to be cold. But the concern is for those who, and I'm talking to you online as well, for those of you who are kind of like, I'm kind of in, I kind of want to live my life, but I want the assurance that someday I'm going to go to heaven. No, he's saying, you know, you got to be for me. You got to be for me. You can't be embarrassed by me. You can't live halfway in. You got to be all the way. And then when he goes on, he's starting to talk about this casting of the demons. So then this is the important part. Remember I said what happens when a demon gets cast out? We talked about last week. There were six demons in this one house, and, and those were prayed out. And now those people are going to have to ensure this thing that takes place. And I'll tell you what takes place. Because if you don't do this, the person's going to be in worse uh, shape than when you found them. Verse 24, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept out, put in order. That can be confusing. I'm going to give you some uh, insight into that in a minute. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. The last state of the person is worse than the first. So here's what it's saying. And it goes back to what we worshipped about this morning as well. If you cast out a demon and something else doesn't get filled in its place, that vessel is still void and has the ability for uh, more demonic activity to come in that person's life. Now, why does it say it was swept and in order? I believe that sometimes when you've been there, I've been there, that you've been freed from something and, and you've been freed by in a way of like, okay, it might have been a spiritual experience that you got free, but then you start going on to self-will and self-discipline and I'm going to put everything right in my life and you try to do it on your own strength. What happens is you're devoid at that point with the Holy Spirit and you're trying to live on your own strength and your own strength won't cut it. Your own discipline will not cut it. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Your, your house, your dwelling, your body cannot just be in order and neat and tidy. In other words, you've been self-disciplined enough to kind of put things in order. It needs to be filled with something else. So when something comes knocking at your door, it's like there's no room for you. There's no room for you. Can a Christian be demonically possessed? I'm not going to answer that one today. But I'll give, you, I'll give you a clue. I don't believe they can, a Christian who has the, with, has the Holy Spirit in their life, I don't think they can be possessed. I think they can be oppressed. So here's the reality. I, I believe all of us can run the tendency that if our house isn't full, in other words, there's room in the inn, not completely filled by the Holy Spirit, there's room for something else to uh, become a Klingon. <laughs> I don't know why the spirits want to go into human bodies. We do know that sometimes they're cast into animals. Remember, the demonic was cast into pigs. They all ran off the cliff and died. But, but for some reason, our humans can be an attraction to the demonic activity. They, they're housed there. 
So the key for us to learn is understanding that we got like, sorry, no room in the inn. No room in the inn. When you uh, have temptation and you give into that, that's opening a door. And, and they're basically saying, hey, I, I, I've left the door open. I've left some room for you. And, and Jesus is reminding us here that watch out because your condition might not be so good if you keep leaving room for the demonic to uh, enter your life. Now, you don't need to go around every day and say, okay, do I have all demons hanging off of me and all this stuff, and right? And we'll go, go Ghostbusters and zap, 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 and we'll keep, take care of you guys. I will be in my Ghostbusters suit later in the foyer for you, and we'll take care of some business. <laughs> no. No, I, did, I just, you really have to realize that we live in a spiritual world, right? As followers of Jesus, Jesus is trying to understand and teach us that that first, how to pray, right? How to connect our hearts with God our Father, who, by the way, loves us. I love that he's, he's showing us that this familial relationship, a Father who's good to us, who gives us good gifts, and this is how we should pray, and God will look after us. But then he's saying, there's a demonic activity out there, and this is what we need to do. Make sure your house is filled with the Spirit. That's why he says, when you ask of the Father to give you these good gifts... He will give you the Holy Spirit abundantly. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you, if you try to live your life void of the Holy Spirit, you will not have the fullness and the power and the strength to overcome the things that you need to overcome. All right, here we go. True blessedness is what this says. Now, Jesus tells us how to be blessed. Jesus tells us how to be blessed. Verse 27, as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb who bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. So they're saying, blessed Mary, blessed Mary. Now I want to let you know that Jesus corrects this person who says, blessed be Mary. He says this, blessed rather, Jesus' words, you want to know how to be blessed? Here you go. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You want to find blessing in your life? Learn what's in the word of God and keep it. It's that simple. It is not some master formula. It's learning what is on God's heart in his word and, and ask, not only ask to keep it, but, but do what it says. Keep what it says. Not bless this, not bless that, not, not listen to this preacher and listen to that preacher. It says, no, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So today you know how to be blessed. Know the word of God and keep it. Then he goes on and says the signs of Jonah. Signs of Jonah. I am concerned that there's already somebody on the platform getting ready to play. That means he wants me to land the plane. And the plane is just taking off. How do I do this? We'll circle around one quick loop and we'll land again. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm going to go for it. Don't worry. This is too important. Sorry. I'm also spitting up here. Okay, here we go. The sign of Jonah goes on to say this. And I could kind of paraphrase this. Jesus is really concerned that, that over time, God has given people to show the world who God the Father is. So he started with Jonah. He sent him to Nineveh. He allowed him to be a witness to Nineveh and say, repent. Repent. 
Then he goes on to say, and the queen came to Solomon. And these are, I love that Jesus is always quoting the Old Testament here. And he knows the Old Testament because he was there actually in time. Remember, he's God at the same time as being Jesus. And then he says, and the queen came from, to, for Solomon to look at all of his wisdom. And, and yet they missed who God was in this. And the reason why Jesus kind of saying this is like the generation that Jesus arrived into, they could not get their head and heart wrapped around that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. I've often wondered myself, if I was in that time, would I, would I really recognize him? Why did the religious people not recognize him? Why did the Pharisees not recognize him? Why did the Sadducees not recognize him? Why did the scribes not recognize him? And he's kind of saying to this generation, come on, guys, uh, you got to repent, right? You're just trying to do all this stuff. And then he goes on to say that, that i got to read this part. Verse 33, he says, No one after lighting its lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand. So that who those who enter can see the light. Your eyes are the lamp of your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be dark. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part of dark, it will be wholly bright. And when a lamp, and, and when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Here he's saying again, and he'll go on to talk about, woe to you Pharisees, woe to your lawyers. And, and like you, you just try to do all the right things. Or you try not to do all the right things, right? So this is, becomes like you get religious, the light starts to dim. You don't carry Jesus with you, the light begins to dim. And he's saying, actually, no, guys, would you pay attention? I, I want to be in your life I want you to understand my connection to the Father. I want you to live full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, and let your light shine so the world can know. See, he was concerned that the world is not knowing, and he's wondering why people's lights are going dim. And he's concerned about that, and he's challenging us today to say, hey, do people know who Jesus is? And they, they don't have to, you don't have to tell them. Because the way your life is so emanating with light, well, what is this light? I, I believe it's the fruit of the Spirit. When you're full of the Spirit, you can't help but emanate greater love, greater joy, greater peace. So he goes on and he starts criticizing Pharisees and lawyers. Sorry for all the lawyers in the house. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's criticizing them. Uh, well, he's criticizing a religious person, so sorry, Mark, too. He's criticizing me. Well, the heart that they had. The heart that they had was really about trying to make everybody do the right thing. But they, they actually didn't have the love of God in their life. Jesus, by the way, do, does Jesus talk about tithing in the New Testament? It's a trick question. Don't answer because I don't want to embarrass you. I, most people will come up to me. It's like, hey, tithing's an Old Testament principle. We don't really have to tithe anymore because that's Old Testament. And, and by the way, Jesus right here, New Testament, here we go. New Testament, Jesus talking about tithing. 
It says here, But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice. Well, that doesn't really say we should be tithing, right? He says they tithe, but they neglect justice. And they, they don't have the love of God. Then here he goes. He gets us. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So in other words, no, you should have been tithing. But as you're tithing, you also should have been practicing justice and the love of God. See, what do you Pharisees? You love the best seat in the synagogues and greet, greeting in the marketplace. Woe to you. You are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. In other words, their, their lights aren't shining. They're like dead, the dead. So it'd be really disrespectful to walk over somebody's grave, right? We would even have in our own culture, that would be very disrespectful. But he's basically saying like this, you guys are walking around, you're actually treading on people and and you're like dead and you're not actually showing the light and life of Christ through a life of repentance. Instead, you're putting all this burden and pressure on people. And that's what I'm saying. When when we try to put a, a bunch of rules on people but not love them, we're not representing Jesus really well. Then he goes on to saying, woe to you lawyers and lawyers, they weren't acting honorably and they're in, 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 to, in, for, in it for themselves and extortion. And it's all about knowledge and not really about loving people well and loving God well, right? It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these things of the Old Testament are summed up into that. And Jesus saying is, is like, for us to live this way, you have to have a relationship with your father. Let me just, I'm going to close up with this. It's Jesus starts, how do we pray? We pray, praying to our father, praying that he's going to give us our needs. And then we pray with persistence. And then when we pray with persistence, we're praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we have no room for the demonic in our life. And then we're going around in, in, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we're casting those demonic things out of people's lives and and we ourselves are staying free from that but then he's saying as we do make sure people's houses are full make sure people are filled with the holy spirit then he's saying let your light shine let your light shine don't be like the religious guys that just get about do's and don'ts moms and dads i know this is really hard for you i I know our kids should be obedient to us and we got a bunch of do's and don'ts but can you shepherd their hearts to know the love of Christ, and you model for them what it means to be full of mercy and grace, quick to forgive, not holding begrudgingly. Yes, does he want us to give generously? Yes, does he want us to tithe, of course. But if we just check boxes, we went to service, we're in life group, we did our charitable giving, we, we served the homeless. And if we're doing just a bunch of good things, but we don't have love for God and love for others, we're not being the light that Jesus wants from us. Now, I know that actually this is like 
somewhat pertains to us and somewhat challenging because I think you guys have really grown so significantly in this area. Well, let me say this. I feel like I've been growing so much in this area. I feel like I have way more love than I did six years ago, seven years ago. I feel like I'm less, you know, about the rules (laughs) and my control side of Mark has learned to die. It was a slow death. And I'm not completely there, (laughs) but but it's dying. But it's been good. In closing, I just want to let you know something. I I know people struggle with tithing. We don't, you notice, we don't actually pass baskets here. We don't take an offering at Grace Capital. That started back in COVID. And God, if you stay for the business meeting, you'll realize God has blessed us by even not having to pass a basket or take an offering. But for those of you who are not giving, and I would say tithing, you are missing out on the blessing of God that he wants to pour into your life. I'm not going to go into another whole message, but I want to encourage you. This is one thing that God says, test him at. Make it real easy for you. If, if, I, if somebody came up here and I had 10 $100 bills, and, and I was right here, you came up here and I go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I give them to you. Do I have any takers? I don't act. I don't have my that with me today, uh, but if I did, so so I would give you that. I said I'll give you that, except except one thing. I just want. I just gave you a thousand dollars. I just want a hundred dollars of it back. W- would you feel like that was a pretty good deal? I, I just gave you nine hundred dollars. Well, actually, I gave you a thousand, and I just asked for a hundred dollars back. That's a pretty good deal, right? Like, I'd be like, oh my word, I can't believe you just gave me that much. You'd be like, oh my, I'm just joyful to give that back. The Bible says that we should approach our giving in that way, that we have so much joy to give back to God just a portion of what he's already given us. God has given that to you as a gift to be stewarded, and he's giving you 90% to do with what you wish, listening to the Holy Spirit and being generous with it. But he's only asking for 10% of it back. Don't make it about a rule. Make it about a relationship with God that you get to do with joy and excitement to who he is. Pharisees, they made it about a rule. And they started to oppress people with that. And Jesus says, no, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. In closing on this one, I will land the plane. I will land the plane, Pastor Richie. Here's the plane landing. God loves you so, so much. He is crazy for you. And Jesus taught us how to pray. And he wants us to pray fervently, often, and connecting our hearts with God. Then he wants us to be salt and light to the world and let our lives emanate and beam, filled with the Holy Spirit, not leaving any room for anything else to reside in our lives. And then we need to realize that it's our, our mission is to go out and see other people live with freedom. Not into this do's and don'ts, but live into freedom, connecting them to God the Father who will set them free. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us Luke chapter 11. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. 
and maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We wanna say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.